Okay, Liz, here's some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, multiple systems, delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs, you cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems, and you improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. NetSuite.com slash Hollywood. The following podcast contains explicit language. Okay, Sarah, so these are the crew gift options. Okay. This is, there's three. This is the cheap, the less cheap, and the expensive. <laughs> well, obviously we have to go with the expensive. I know, I think The so. cheap is like cheap. Yeah. But the expensive nice. Expensive it is. It's nice. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 18 years, Sarah. That's me, Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In this episode, we'll introduce a new segment we call The Mail Room, in which we answer a listener question about the entertainment business. Then we'll talk to actor and author Autumn Chiklis about her hilarious debut novel, Smothered, and about growing up in Hollywood. And finally, if you're bad with names, we have the perfect Hollywood hack for you. But first, an update. On our Facebook group, JP has started a Happier in Hollywood networking group. Yeah, he pointed out that one of the ways to make it in Hollywood is to network, but a lot of times people don't want to go to events alone. So he said, let's join up and go to events together, hold each other accountable, and we can network and, um, you know, it'll be easier. And I thought, well, that's a great idea. Yeah. So he has started a subgroup within our group called Happier in Networking. Uh, if you're interested in joining, you can join that group. Yes, yeah, so cool. We now have a subgroup. Yay! Yay! More subgroups. <laughs> and by the way, for anyone out there who has not already joined our Facebook group, please do. Just search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook and click to join. Okay, Sarah, now it's time for a new segment we call The Mail Room, in which we answer a question about the entertainment industry. We get a ton of questions. Um, and there are so many good ones, and some of them we even have answers to. <laughs> Today, we received a question from Rachel. She wrote, Ultimately, I hope to be an art director. In this pursuit, I'm finding the niche to be extremely small and the field to be variably defined. Do you have any advice on trying to break into a specific position when the jobs are sparse and somewhat of a mystery in description? I have met with many art directors, which has been lovely, inspiring, and insightful, but hasn't helped me make career moves. A secondary question, how many years into working in the industry did you both feel like you were finally not living paycheck to paycheck? I've been at it 
at five years and still finding stability difficult? Well, okay. The first question, how do you break in um, when jobs are sparse and not well-defined? Um, we've said this about being a writer. The best thing to do is get a job as an assistant in that world. doesn't matter how low down you are on, in the hierarchy. If you're in that world, you'll meet people who are higher up. And if they become invested in you personally, that's how you move up the ladder. It's it, Because once someone says, oh, Rachel's so wonderful, here's this position, let me give her a shot, or let me tell my friend on another show to give her a shot, it, it, just, it just, things start rolling. They start coming together. Yeah. And then the other thing is to get to know people who are who have the job that you want. Yes. Um, our first agent told us when we were just starting out. I mean, we'd never even, I don't think, been paid a dime. No, for for anything. Um, she said, <laughs> we'll never forget it. She said, well, just get to know a bunch of showrunners. And we were just baffled by it. Like, how are we supposed to do that? Where where are these showrunners, these mythical showrunners we're just yes. supposed to get to know, you know, magically? Um, but we did make that our goal in yes, life. Yes, we did. And ultimately, that is what helped us get our first jobs. And um, what's funny, Sarah, is now everyone we know is a showrunner. Yes. <laughs> it just happens. It does. But you do have to make the effort. Liz is much better about that than me, but it's important. The first time that we met someone who's actually been a showrunner, I got word <laughs> there's a showrunner at a party on the beach. <laughs> and I and I didn't have a car at the time. <laughs> Um, I was living in Marina Del Rey, and I got on my bicycle. I'm like, I'm pedaling down to There's this party on the beach. There's a showrunner down the beach. There's a showrunner down there. Um, and I pedaled down there, and I met Bob Fisher, yeah. who ended up being one of our best friends, um, and he helped us a lot. A lot. He really did. So, um, so take a bicycle happens. down the beach. That's right. <laughs> um, and then as to your second question, I don't think you ever stop worrying about your next paycheck. Not in this business. I mean, we don't live paycheck to paycheck um, in the way that we did when we were first starting out, like when I was a second assistant to an actor. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that when was... you were brushing a dog's teeth. Exactly. For a that was a different, uh, different time. But, you know, once we started working as writers, then you suddenly sort of enter a different payment level. There's a right. like a big jump from assistant to even the lowest level writer. Yes. And you can start saving and saving is really important. I mean, I remember when we first started out, one of our bosses said you should always have you should try to have two years worth of living in your bank because you could easily not work for two years. Um, which was alarming to hear. Yes, which was alarming to hear. But of course, um, we would now give that same advice to people starting out because you just don't know sometimes when you are going to get another paycheck. Um, we worry about it even though like we're under an overall deal right now with ABC Studios. So that gives us a certain amount of stability, but it's only for a certain amount of time. Yeah. And we wonder what happens next all the time. Yeah, that never ends. I think in Hollywood, people never really feel totally secure yeah. or or stable. I mean, there are people, we call it fuck you money. Mm -hmm. There are people who have fuck you money and they can do whatever they want and nothing really matters to them. But there aren't that many people with real fuck you money here. No, I remember reading a tweet. Somebody said, I thought I had fuck you money until someone 
you know, gave me a round of notes and I said, well, I don't like these notes, but I will do them <laughs> because I don't want to lose this money. Right. So I guess I don't have fuck you money. Yep. Um, and, you know, and Sarah, I will say, I feel like right now in the United States, no one feels totally secure. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think there's it is the way it's not the way it was when our parents were growing up. Nobody is staying 30 years at a company. Right. So I, I think it's not just a Hollywood thing now. You could be a lawyer and still sort of worry about, am I going to have the paycheck next month? Absolutely. Just a different time. Yeah. So, Rachel, you can do this. You can break into this field. You just have to keep at it. And then save money as you go yes. for save. those lean times because they're almost inevitable. Yes. Um, all right. Well, coming up, we will talk to Hollywood native Autumn Chickless about her hilarious debut novel, Smothered. But first, a word from our sponsor. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Sarah, it's time for From the Treadmill Desks Of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches. And today it's growing up in Hollywood. We've got kids who are growing up in Hollywood, which I guess makes us Hollywood moms. And today we have a special guest who grew up with Hollywood parents, Autumn Chickless. Yes. Autumn Chickless is a recent graduate of the University of Southern California, where she studied theater and screenwriting. She is a national best-selling author, actor, stand-up comedian, and a proud French bulldog mama. She is based <laughs> out of Los Angeles, California. We should hope our children turn out so well. <laughs> Aww, thank you. <laughs> Her book, Smothered, is about Eloise Lou. Lou Hansen, who's graduating from Columbia and ready to conquer the world. There are just a few minor problems. She has no job, no prospects, and she's moving back into her childhood bedroom. Lou is grimly determined to stick to a rigorous schedule to get a job and get out of her parents' house. Shelly, Mama Shell Hansen, on the other hand, is ecstatic and just as determined to keep her at home. Smothered is a hilarious story told via journal entries, text messages, emails, bills, receipts, tweets, doctor's prescriptions, job applications and rejections parking tickets, and pug pictures chronicling the year that Lou moves back home after college. Welcome, Autumn. Welcome. Thank you guys so much for having me. And congratulations on your first book. Thank you. And it's success. This is so exciting. It's been a whirlwind two months. I'm very, very excited. That's great. Now, we have to mention, first of all, that you um, played Vic Mackey's daughter, Cassidy, on The Shield, 
We were writers on The Shield. Of course. And it just so happens that Vic Mackey was played by your dad, Michael Chiklis. <laughs> yes. A lot of, a very different father-daughter dynamic than my own. Yeah. Him, so. <laughs> that's good to hear. Yes. That's, that's excellent news. Uh, but you literally grew up on set. What was that like? You know, I always refer to myself as a set rat. I, uh, it's interesting how, you know, how you have certain, uh, smell associations where, you know, you walk into something and it reminds you of your childhood. Interestingly enough for me, once I step on a film set and I, you know, that distinct smell of set. Like sawdust and craft services. Yes, exactly. Craft service. Um, I immediately am uh, transported back to my childhood, which is, I'm, you know, as I get older, I realize is a pretty unique experience. Yeah. I mean, do you feel like you had a normal childhood? Like as you went to college and met people who came from the Midwest, could you relate to them or did you just feel like, oh, wow, my experience was completely different? I mean, yes and no. I mean, I definitely had a normal childhood. I'm I'm lucky. My you guys know my dad. He's a very down to earth grounded person. Yes. He never lost sight of his roots from and his, you know. Yes. And his family is his priority, a hundred percent. Yes. And that's where I actually find myself uh diverging from a lot of young women and men in my position, where I know a lot of people who grew up in Hollywood, they didn't see their families often. Mm. Um, or at least one member of the family. Uh my dad was very much there growing up for me, and that was a priority for him. I know that he didn't take a lot of jobs that would take him away for extended periods of time because because he wanted to make sure that he was present. Um, And he also was very cognizant of never letting his fame or, you know, the fame of the family, whatever had happened, get to our heads. Mm. So um, he he would sit us down and have conversations about that. Now, Autumn, you seem so sane and grounded. Anytime we see you or hearing you talk, you just seem like a normal person. Thank you. Now, what (laughs) advice can you, like... What advice do you have to us to keep our kids sane and grounded? What do you think is the most important thing to do? Um, I think a big one is be there. Mm -hmm. And I don't mean, you know, sacrifice work or, you know, don't ever. Everyone has to go away for periods of time or to be particularly busy during periods of time. It's not that I'm saying you have to be there 24-7. But I know for myself, the thing that was most crucial I mean, you guys are very down-to-earth people. You're very grounded and sane, <laughs> well, thank as you, you put it. Most of the um, time. <laughs> so, right. But, yeah, of course, we all are, right? Um, but I think that just being around grounded, sane people, and because when you are, you surround yourself with that community, right? You don't, you don't tend to adopt people who don't fit that mold. And so I would say that surrounding yourself and being with normal people, whether they are in extraordinary circumstances or not, is irrelevant, is super helpful because then your role models are all, you know, normal people. And just I I know I really appreciated my dad and my mom sitting me down when I was younger and picking my brain about the things that were going on around us very philosophically. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, he would ask a lot of questions that when I look back on it were pretty deep considering where we were at the time, you know. He would ask me questions about paparazzi and people, <laughs> you know, thing, things that uh, ha- he would ask me about how I felt about certain things and reminded me about his childhood and how, you know, 
all of this is it's none of it means anything without the people who matter most to you and that he taught me about sycophants very from a very young age oh interesting so I think the most important thing to me was time spent and just having those really important conversations because you know I still hear my dad's voice in my head Mm -hmm. when you know with this book I've been um I've been really lucky that I've been doing a lot of different talk shows and I've had some I I had a paparazzi take a picture of me the other day while eating a bagel that was like my first time (laughs) like great of course um and I can still hear my dad's voice in my head going you know brush it off it's not important they're making whatever it is so um I, I think just having conversations and being there is the most important thing so we've been talking about your dad, but mm-hmm. your mom has we love your mom. She has a big personality. Like whenever she would come to the set on the shield, it was like like a light comes in. Aww. And it feels like your book Smothered is a love letter to her in a certain way. It's a unique love letter. <laughs> was she the inspiration for the book? Oh, 100%. <laughs> and it is such I'm so glad you got that because I've had a lot of people ask me and most of these people have been uh, asked it before reading the book. Mm. How does your mother feel about this? Because it originated through me posting our texts online. And first Which are hilarious. Oh, yes. Thank oh you. My God. And we should mention your mom's name is Michelle and the mother of the book is Shelly. So yes. And, you know, it's... my mom's nickname was Michelle growing up uh. or one of them was Michelle. So I kind of that's a little wink. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I, people ask me all the time, how does your mom feel about it? My mom thinks she's going to be so famous. She is so uh-huh. excited. <laughs> right. um, but, yeah, it really is a love letter to her and. I it's worth noting we've been talking about sanity mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we've been playing up. I obviously play up the comedy for the book's sake. And my mom, if my dad's the salt of the earth, my mom is kind of I, I say that my mom is the uh, Lucille Ball to my dad's Rick, mm-hmm. um, where she's very high in the sky and fun and fabulous. And, you know, he's uh, he's the curmudgeon in the corner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, no, really, really um, what I think is super important to note is that my mom is the best mom as kind of you know crazy as she could come off with you know her telling people I'm her stepmom so no one knows her age uh. and you know uh, the jokes you know the jokes about uh, what temp- what we're gonna wear to temple and stuff like that she it was such a good mom growing up and remains the best mom and I hoped that that shined through in the book so I'm glad that it, it read as a love letter but oh my god it's a hundred percent my mom no no qualms about it she uh she loves it. She like actually leans into it now. Uh-huh. She'll go like, I have to go shopping. Because what do you possibly need right now? Yeah. We're not going anywhere. And she goes, Excuse me, I have fans now on Instagram. Oh, and my she, God, that's people great. would not be happy with Shelly wearing these sweats out. So <laughs> it's really cute. That is hilarious. Now we I want to hear about the whole story of how you sold your book because uh-huh. in and of itself it's a Hollywood story. You had just graduated college. Is that that's yes. right. And the book, of course, is about your main character's first year after college. So mm-hmm. tell us how it happened, because it's, you know, it's one of those things you could only dream about. Yeah, I was so lucky. I mean, it was a really talk about a series of fortunate events where I had been t- posting these text messages in college. And I actually kind of conceived the idea of uh, it originally was titled Raising Mom. 
back in my junior year of college. And that's when I started posting the texts. Mm. And originally it was going to be a television series because, you know, um, I joke about when you join this, you know, when you grow up in the circus, you join the circus. Yeah. Where, <laughs> you know, Hollywood people tend to stay in the Hollywood community because it's such an exhilarating uh, job. And it's, you know, there, there's nothing quite like it yeah. at its best and worst. So um, I thought about it as a television series. And ultimately, I thought it would be easier to get a TV series made if I created an existing property. So we smart businesswoman. (laughs) As I'm sure you guys know. Um, So I started collecting the text messages into a kind of, you know, Urban Outfitters coffee table book. Uh You know, the kinds of books that like you see in the bathroom or they like when you're walking out of the store, they like selling them up the side. That was my original concept, um, which was a lot less uh, ambitious, if you will. But I, I still thought, you know, it'd be really fun if I if I create this collection of short stories. So I wrote a book proposal, which was only like 20 pages at the time, maybe even a little less, like 15. And I sent it around to agents. And I had a manager because I was acting at the time. So the way I was able to kind of get into that world was I asked my manager, hey, um, can you toss this over to the literary department and send it around and see if anyone's interested. And that is how I inevitably met my agent, um, Erin Malone, who is my angel. I love her so much. (laughs) And a recent mother, actually. She's now a smother. Nice. Um, Yeah, she's wonderful. But she was the one who said, I love this. I love the voicing. I think it's hilarious. And I love your writing. Um, Do you think you can tie a narrative around this? And I said, do you mean... Like a like a novel type narrative, <laughs> she went, yeah, you know, I mean, if you're up for it, and I said, absolutely, for whatever reason, um, but yeah, because it was an amazing opportunity, and I've been writing my whole life, and when an agent at WME says, can you write a novel? You say yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> There's only one answer to that yeah, question. Like, what am I going to say? No. Yeah. <laughs> that's an amazing opportunity. And I am a writer and it's something that I've always been very passionate about, though I would never really let anyone read my creative writing up until this book because um, it was so, so personal. But, and this is oddly the most personal <laughs> because yeah. it's my family. But um, yeah, I uh, started writing the book proposal from there which was late senior year, I graduated college and I had a full proposal, which was about 100 pages of the first 50 pages and then, a, you know, a bunch of statistics about millennials moving home with their parents and all that fun stuff. So sent it around to different book publishers. They took, you know, they bit. I flew to New York, took a bunch of meetings. It was kind of a mutual selection process, ended with St. Martin's Press, who are wonderful. And then they gave me a one-year deadline to finish the thing. Wow. So, and were you living at home during that time? Yes. So I, it was kind of this meta experience where I moved back in with my mother and... <laughs> um, I start writing about living at home with my mom. And she came into my room like the first week. She goes, Autumn, is there anything that I can do to make this process easier? And I said, yeah, just stay around me all the time and be yourself. (laughs) (laughs) Just kind of exist in my presence. Um, And that's what she did. So I'm actually moving out of the house. It's my 25th birthday uh, next week, and I'm moving out of the house tomorrow. Oh, wow. It's a big week. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, But it's it's kind of appropriate. It's really actually... uh, amazing how this book ends and you know no spoilers but the i i wrote about the year you move home from college in living with your parents and what that experience is like from a very satirical perspective of course um and then the minute it's released 
and out in the world, I move out. So it's literally the closing yeah. of a, a closing of a chapter, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> so Autumn, before we let you go, I would love it if you could read a little bit from your book for our listeners because it has such a great voice. Like you're such a great writer. I can only hope that Violet will grow up and just like have your confidence and voice. It's amazing. So anyway, would you mind reading this? This section of, of your book, of Smothered. I'd be happy to. Let me pass this to you. It's at the thank you. It starts at the very bottom. Then you Goodness. can just here we go. So, rules and expectations for parents. Now that I am moving back home as a fully realized and capable adult, <laughs> one, where I go, who I see, and why I am seeing them are no longer subject to Inquisition-style examination. No judgy comments or faces will be tolerated. <laughs> Two. I and I alone choose what I wear in the morning. Suggestions are fine, but nothing more. Three, comments about the state of my hair, skin, nails, eyebrows, armpits, posture, upper lip, jawline, toe hair, breast placement, and bikini region should be kept to a maximum of three per day. (laughs) Total. This is non-negotiable. Four, mom has to delete the Find My Friends app from her phone. And finally... If at any point I decide to bring a male home, if being the operative word, the family will do their best to trust my instincts, be kind, and not make any comments about his buck teeth and or skinny legs. (laughs) (laughs) The book is so funny. Thank you, guys. I'm so thrilled that you read it and that you laughed, and I can't even tell you what that means to me. Uh, I have to say my favorite thing in there is they don't say no comments about your eyebrows, hair, etc., but just three per day. Yeah, I know. It's like, let's be real. There are going to be comments. Yeah, it's going to happen. I, my mom still comments on my hair. It's just, it's a thing. <laughs> of course. It tells me I should be wearing lipstick and yeah. Oh, of course. And that will never, that will never end. As I'm moving into my apartment, mom has already been in five times. You should put this there. And oh, I don't know about that bench. And what about this blanket? It's, I know it's, this is my point. I can go, it will go on forever. This is life. Yes, this <laughs> is life. That's the thing. Just, I like how you're embracing it and you go with it and it works for you instead of trying to push it away. Oh, thank you. <laughs> While still getting your independence. That's the yeah. important thing. And finally, Autumn, let us ask you, what makes you happier in Hollywood? What makes me happier in Hollywood? What makes me happier in Hollywood is the company that I keep. Mm. I touched on this a lot throughout this interview, but I think the most important thing in this town that can feel very disjointed, feel like everyone has a a different home base and maybe not everyone is on the same page in terms of their their lifestyles or where they're going and it can feel very uh, frazzled. I think it's incredibly important to find a family and keep them close. I know that's what my own family did because they're both transplants. My mom's from Miami, my dad's uh, from Boston, and they have built a beautiful community of friends that I've grown up with under as aunts and uncles and I consider my my blood family basically so I would say that what makes me happier in Hollywood and I hope to do the same thing and I and I feel like I've done that already through my friends through high school and college and beyond um, is to create a community of people that make me feel sane and safe and like I'm plugging Mm. in a battery Mm. um, so that when work gets hard or when uh, the industry drives me crazy, which it already does when I'm turning 25 and, you know, (laughs) when when things just seem absolutely intolerable, I... uh, I have an I have an iPhone pack that I can plug into. So that would that would be what makes me happier in Hollywood. That's great. I love thinking about the family and friends as a recharge. That's a great uh, metaphor. 
You are wise beyond your years. Oh, you are. <laughs> thank you so much for coming in. It was so fun to sit down with you. Thank, thank you, so Autumn. Me. And everybody should buy and read Smothered. It's hilarious. It's heartwarming. It's fun. Um, wherever you buy books. Next up, we've got a Hollywood hack for remembering names. But first, this break. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now it's time for this week's Hollywood Hack, which is to remember someone's name, look them up online. Mm. This is a little embarrassing for me to admit, but (laughs) I'll tell you, this is what I've been doing because Violet just started kindergarten. There are all of these new parents. Yes. And when you're just like meeting a whole lot of people and you hear a first name and you're like, okay, this is so-and-so's mom. This is so-and-so's dad. It's like there's just so much coming at you and it's hard to like land people and names. Yeah. Um, so what I started doing is looking people up online mm. so I can kind of contextualize them. Yes. And it really helps me remember their names. Yeah. I find once I know like what someone does, where they live, you know, where they're from, then they just they just sort of spring to life and they become a three-dimensional person who I totally remember, right. not just, you know, so-and-so's mom. Right, who you met in a, like, super yes. intimidating situation yeah. with a thousand other people and yeah. 50,000 things going on. Now, it is a little bit stocky. Right. <laughs> I will confess that. Um, and it's sort of an unnatural way to learn things about right, people. Right. And it makes for, like, awkward, like, I'm, now I'm sitting next to you at a cocktail party and I shouldn't know what you do for right. a living, but I do. Yes. Um, but I just decided that trade-off is worth it. Yes. Not remembering people's names really oh. bugs me, and I'm bad at names. It's stressful. Now, here's something at Jack's school people did. So when your child enters kindergarten, you get a laminated placemat, and on one side it has pictures of all the parents with their names and who the child is, and then on the other side it has the, the kids' pictures. Right. And what one parent did, which I thought was so smart, was he took a picture of the placemat and kept it on his phone. So he could be at like, you know, some sort of event at school. He meets someone, he sees their face, I can't remember their name, looks at the placemat and goes, oh, that's John Smith. That's right. That is so so genius. I know. It's like, duh. Yeah. Right? So um, there's all these little tricks that, that we can use. I this is not as good as that. But when Violet was in preschool, you know, they had the list, just a, a printed mm. list of parents names and kids. And I took a picture of that so I could take it with me to events. But pictures, that makes sense because sometimes you just need to be you're like, is her name Valerie? You know, like, <laughs> I think it is. I'm ninety nine point nine nine percent sure. But what if it's not? Right. Right. Yes. But that's not as good as the placemat. I think the placemat thing is so brilliant. I love that your school does that. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I like your technique. I'm going to start using it. Like after, when we have meetings with people, I'm going to look them up online to cont- even just to see their kids because right. that'll just help me go, OK, this person is a whole rounded person and I want to remember who they are. Right. Exactly. Nice one. 
And now it's time for a celebrity sighting. And this week, Mary um, has our celebrity sighting. Welcome, Mary. What's your sighting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, in true uh, Happier in Hollywood celebrity sighting, you know, fashion, (laughs) I saw another blackish actor. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I was walking to Starbucks with two of the other assistants, Caleb and Evan. And on our way, we just saw this beautiful Bashan Frise standing in the wind, no mm. leash. And immediately, because, you know, we're all animal people, us assistants. And so we just started playing with this dog like, oh, you know, it's so cute. And then we hear a voice. and she, She's like, his name is Butters. And we look up and it's Jennifer Lewis who plays Ruby, the grandma on Blackish. And she says, his name's Butters. From South Park. Oh, great. <laughs> and it's after the, um, I apologize for my language, but it's uh, when Butters was the pimp in the South Park episode. And she made a joke about Butters having all these bitches. Oh. <laughs> so, <laughs> and, then, and then we were kind of like, whoa, we just uh, had a funny conversation with the grandma from Blackish. <laughs> That's exciting. I like that it started through a dog. And of a dog course. is an unusual sight on the Disney lot. So yes. Yeah. You knew it probably had to be an actor who had their dog. Exactly. Yeah. It's they not... wouldn't let us writers have dogs. <laughs> no, exactly. Line. Dogs are a really good entry to, to celebrity sightings. Yes. I had my um, my puppy Daisy many years ago. I was at, I think, like a coffee bean with her. And Catherine Keener and Dermot Mulroney were like, she's so cute and petting her. And I was like, oh, my God, this was a long time ago. So we've now seen everyone except Tracy Ellis Ross. Have we seen Tracy Ellis Ross? Well, I think I saw her, but it wasn't from the front. It was like we saw this like fabulous person in an amazing outfit who I think was her, but it's not confirmed. Okay, well. Um, so it goes. More <laughs> sightings from Blackish. Yes. Nice. Thanks, Mary. Thanks, Mary. And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. Email us or send us a voice memo at happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Huge thank you to Autumn Chickless. You can get her book Smothered wherever you buy books. Thanks to our producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thanks to the awesome ad team at Panoply. Thank you to our assistant, Mary Merkins, for helping us with the insanity that is our lives right now and for keeping our eyes open on the Disney lot. <laughs> and as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at Liz Craft and Sarah is at S. Fain. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join the conversation. Until next week, I'm Sarah Fain. And I'm Liz Craft. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. Full disclosure, I apologize for my coffee breath in here. <laughs> I have like three cups of oh, coffee. Oh, I have. I mean, does anyone breath. in this room not have coffee breath? <laughs> <laughs>